Starwalker Studios presents Planeswalkers of Nyx, the Magic the Gathering podcast for the rest of us. Everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Planeswalkers of Nyx, a casual podcast for all those who play and love Magic the Gathering. I'm your host, Nikki Starwalker, a proud pink planeswalker. And I'm Lex Starwalker, a proud turquoise planeswalker. And today we're going to be talking about a fun format called Wizard's Tower. In Magically Delicious, we'll have our flavor picks of the week. We'll have some tips for new players in Beginner's Bone. And in Starwalker Review, we'll tell you all about the latest intro decks. And in our Magical Artistry segment, we'll celebrate some of the great art you'll find on the latest Magic cards. So pour yourself a drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy the first episode of Planeswalkers of Nyx. What manner of man are you that can summon up fire without flint or tinder? I am an enchanter. By what name are you known? There are some who call me... Tim? Since it's our first Planeswalkers of Nick's podcast, let's share who we are and what this podcast is all about. Lex, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself (laughs) and what your history is with Magic the Gathering? Okay, well, my name is Lex Starwalker, and I'm fortunate to uh, get to co-host this fine podcast. And uh, I have been around since the very beginning. Um, I first found out about Magic the Gathering before the game was even out. I had a subscription to Dragon Magazine because I was big into the D&D back in those days. Okay, And um, I it's so long ago, I don't remember if it was an advertisement or if it was an actual article, but there was something in Dragon Magazine about this new game coming out from this company no one had ever heard of called Wizards of the Coast, mm-hmm. uh, this new game called Magic the Gathering. And I think it must have been an actual article because I remember um, hearing a lot about what this game would be. Um, and this was, I think, a month or two before the game came out, before Alpha. And basically, it was going to be, I, I believe, the first uh, trading card game. Uh, you were playing uh, wizards who were engaging in a duel of magic. And you were going to be summoning various creatures to fight each other and throwing spells at each other (laughs) and just trying to burn one another to the ground with magic and the uh being a collectible card game the cards would be unique and collectible every person's deck would be different 
Yeah. And at the time, it just blew my mind. And <laughs> I just thought it sounded like the coolest thing. Mm-hmm. And I was very, very excited to try this game. And it was at least a couple months I had to wait after reading this article before the game actually came out and oh. I, I could go get my first cards. Oh, um, yeah. but so I, it was a teaser. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember just, you know, just dying of anticipation, just waiting, you know, it's worse than waiting for Christmas, <laughs> waiting for this game to come out. And yeah. So finally, uh, it came out and I went to my local, uh, uh, game shop where I get all my Dungeons and Dragons books mm-hmm. and they had magic and I started out uh, back then they had I believe they were called starter decks and okay. I got a starter deck and I got like I think two booster packs and I, I went with a buddy of mine I was in high school at the time and you know we both we each got a starter deck we each got two booster packs and the the starter decks weren't anything like the intro decks that we have now that we're going to be talking about later. Um, mm-hmm. This was not a quote unquote playable deck. It, it was um, it was a collection of I think c- commons and lands, and there might have been some uncommons in the starter deck. I don't remember. Okay, but it was just a kind of a random assortment of cards. But you got like I think it was like sixty cards, where you know the booster pack was fifteen cards or whatever it was back then. Yeah. Um, but the booster pack was the only way you could get your rare cards. Oh. Um, so <laughs> my friend and I got these cards and basically, I mean, we didn't know anything about, about magic. Um, well, it, it just came out, right? Right. Nobody and it, <laughs> it came, you know, back then it came with a little booklet with the rules. Okay. Um, but it was very basic, wasn't very well, um, explained and there was nothing about like strategy like how to build a good deck or how many land you should have or anything like that so (laughs) we both put together these terrible you know five color decks (laughs) and proceeded to play magic against each other and and just had a blast and uh i still very fondly remember those first days of playing magic with my buddy and just him and i playing equally terrible decks and (laughs) and probably uh misinterpreting rules left and right and Mm -hmm. having lots of fun um but unfortunately it wasn't uh meant to be for very long because then uh some other people started getting into magic and Mm -hmm. uh some some older kids that we knew got into magic and these guys had resources that we didn't have and could oh. afford to buy more than just a starter deck and a couple booster packs and yeah. they realized uh that the smart thing to do was really just to buy a ton of booster packs because you got better cards that way and there was one guy it was actually my buddy's older brother who literally bought a box of booster packs mm-hmm. and so he just had this like um, ridiculously powerful, like mono black deck and just like killed everybody all the time. And Aww. in those days we always played for Annie. So I don't know how many cards I lost oh to that dude. <laughs> um, and yeah, and I, I, uh, my, my early favorite color was green. And, um, for the first probably few years I played magic, I had this ridiculously huge, uh, green deck that basically had every green card I liked that I owned in it. <laughs> Um, because I uh, did not understand back then the uh, merits of having a sixty card deck. I, I thought the more the more the merrier. Oh, so how big was this deck? Like over a hundred cards? Yeah, probably. Wow. I mean, it, it awesome. varied. It varied, but mm-hmm. I uh, very rarely won uh, a game with that deck. Um, 
because yeah, it wasn't very well optimized. So um, that's enough about me for right now. I'm, I'm sure I'll have lots of opportunities in future episodes to talk about some of my early days in magic. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Nikki, why don't you tell us uh, how you got started with magic and, and any early memories you have of the game? Sure, I definitely will. Before I move away from you, though, Lex, I want to know why you said that you're a turquoise planeswalker in the intro. Oh. <laughs> yeah, why do you always laugh when I say that? I don't know. It just, I think of this wizard, this grand wizard, but he loves turquoise. So every item of clothing is turquoise and his beard is turquoise and just makes me giggle. Well, um, I, I'm probably going to take a roundabout way of answering that question. Okay. But, um, it's a great, it's a great opportunity to kind of mention, um, one of the philosophies behind this podcast and one of the reasons we decided to make this podcast. Okay. Um, I recently, I, I've taken periodic breaks from Magic, although I've been playing since Alpha. I haven't played every set because, you know, I haven't played constantly that whole time. Right. Um, so I've, I've just recently come back to the game after not playing for, I don't know, a year or so. And, uh, you know, I've been reading a lot of articles and, and whatnot and listening to magic podcasts. And, and I came across the, uh, I believe they're called the psychographics. Okay. That, uh, the, the people at Wizards had come up with to describe their magic players mm-hmm. and what different players want for magic. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are very familiar with these. You, you have Spike and Johnny yeah. and Timmy. Mm-hmm. And I realized when I read, uh, Mark Ro- Rosewater's article on this that uh I've from the very beginning I've very much been a Timmy player mm-hmm. and of of course you know people love to to shoebox things and and put things in the categories but you know human beings are not easily defined and categorized so I I don't think that any one person is purely uh, a Timmy or a Spike or a Johnny we're all different um blends of the three philosophies but uh, I'm definitely uh, Timmy heavy, shall we say? <laughs> okay. And uh, like like I said in the beginning, I, I loved the color green. It was my favorite color. Mm-hmm. Um, I played green all the time, um, and I still love green. It's still one of my favorite colors. Um, but but fairly recently, I've come to really love blue, and I just I have a lot of fun playing blue but but partly um i don't want to let go of my green heritage and <laughs> right. and partly you know a, a single color deck is is kind of boring i i still long for my five color days mm-hmm. um you know i like a lot of variety and uh you know i like a lot of variance from the game to game where even with a given deck like every game is different mm-hmm. um so so i've been playing a lot of blue and green lately okay and i would say my two favorite colors right now are blue and green and and i love playing them together so i got the idea in my head of of saying well i'm i'm a turquoise planeswalker because when you mix blue and green you get turquoise yep (laughs) so i i think you you say that you're a pink planeswalker for for similar reasons right that's right i right now i love well i've always loved red just because i like um like pinging people <laughs> getting these little characters out and just kind of throwing balls of flame across the table at them. Oh yeah, that's fun. 
definitely. And then because of Theros, I've recently gotten into white. So my favorite deck is red and white right now. And um, it's just a lot of fun to play. And I think they can work well together. Um, there's some synergy there. So it's it's just my favorite right now. But that can always change with me. <laughs> well, cool. Well, why don't you tell us um, some more about how you got into magic and, and your history with the game? Sure. Well, I originally heard about magic from an, a friend from a long time ago. And this guy, he was so into magic. Everything was about magic. And he would play every day and oftentimes hours each day. And I was, I couldn't get into it. I didn't understand. I was like, why do you like this game so much? And I tried to, you know, tried to get into it and kind of, you know, learn about the cards and stuff. But it just, I don't know, it wasn't the right time in my life. Couldn't wrap my head around it. I just thought this is, this is just not my thing. And then I met you and I knew that you had a stack of magic cards. And um, I kind of was like, oh, maybe I'll pick that up sometime. And then about, I think it was like three years ago or so, we took a look at those cards and we took a look at some of the decks that you had. And these were pretty old decks, I think. And we just started playing again. And it was a lot of fun. And I liked that it was kind of complex. It was a lot more complex than I had ever given it credit for. And it was, of course, fun. But again, I think I didn't really get into it. And I, my hunch is that's because of the set. I just wasn't into the set that was out at that time. Yeah. Because now Theros hit and I start, we started playing it again. We picked it up and we bought some Theros booster packs and all sorts of other things. And it's a blast. The art is wonderful. Again, I'm a total Timmy too, like you are. And I love the flavor text, of course, because I'm a Timmy. <laughs> and I love the theme. Like everything is kind of has this space galaxy theme to it um, because it is Nyx and Nyx is the, it's like the planes of dreams, right? Yeah. And it's um, kind of, uh, Theros is, is based a lot on Greek mythology. And so it has the same idea um, that the Greeks had that, that the gods are, um, um, what's the word correlated with the stars and the constellations. Oh, okay. So, so Nyx is, is um, the land of dreams and it's also uh, the stars. So when you're looking up at the night sky and, and seeing the stars and the constellations, you're, you're looking into Nyx. Oh, it's so cool. I love it. Everything I learn about it, it makes me love it even more. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Theros. Um, I, I think it's, a big reason Theros is a big reason that that I'm at least doing this podcast because I, I've played Magic off and on, like I said, since since the very beginning, and I don't think I've been this excited about the game since since Alpha. Yeah. Um, just because I I love Theros, I love the mechanics, I love the art, I love the I love Greek mythology, I love that they that they are basing a whole set on on Greek mythology and mm -hmm. I, I just love the look and the feel of the cards and um, the way they play. And I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm really, really excited about, about Theros and I really like the gods. I think the gods yep. are really cool. And I'm looking forward to meeting more gods from Theros or demigods or minor gods or however you want to say it. <laughs> right. Those are coming soon, hopefully. Yes. Yes, they are. Awesome. So yeah, I mean, we're both kind of, um, recently really getting back into it. 
but it's um, we're having a blast and we love this um, particular set. So we're here and we want to talk about it. So did you finish uh, kind of telling your your history? Was that did you I did. say everything you wanted to say? I did. Okay, so um, just a little bit more uh, before we go on about the podcast itself and kind of where we're coming from and yeah. what we want to accomplish. Um, you know, there there are a lot of, of magic podcasts out there. There are a lot that I listen to and enjoy. Um, but a lot of them are very technical, um, which is great. You can learn uh, some great strategies and, and uh, things like that. But uh, I, I wanted to do a, a podcast that, that focused a little bit more on just the enjoyment of the game mm-hmm. um, and, and kind of uh, pick up the, the scraps, <laughs> if you will, that kind of get left behind by these other podcasts uh, um, yeah. that, uh, you know, I guess you could say are very kind of Timmy-centric things. So, um, you know, we, we want to talk about the lore of the game and the characters and the art. And um, uh, we're going to be talking about some of the different formats, the different ways you can play this game, and, and just really focusing on helping you to have as much fun with this game as you can. Because I'd venture to guess, no matter who you are, no matter how long you've been playing, that there is some aspect to magic that, that you may not have experienced yet. Um, some way to play the game that maybe you haven't tried yet. Mm-hmm. And we especially want to be a resource to new players because this is a very complex game and it's a very um, difficult game to learn, I think. And and I think it can be very intimidating and overwhelming Mm -hmm. to a new player. And and all of us out there that play Magic, we all benefit by having new players. We all want more people to play with and against. And um, so hopefully this podcast can be a resource for for new players to learn about the game and get excited about the game. And, you know, we hope to we hope to cover some of the more basic aspects of the game that that maybe are a little too basics for some of the more uh, advanced podcasts out there to talk about. Um, to, to help those new players out. So if you are a new player or if you're thinking about starting magic and you have any questions or there's something that you want us to talk about, uh, please let us know because uh, that's a big part of what we want to do here. That's right. Definitely. Well, being me has its privileges. All right, everyone. Um, for s- those of you who've never listened to one of our podcasts before, uh, something that we really like to do in the beginning of our podcast is to talk a little bit about what we're drinking. Uh, Nikki and I are both uh, uh, enjoyers and connoisseurs of the finer things <laughs> in life. Uh, oh, my. <laughs> we like our ale. We like our um, lagers. And we like our mead. And we also homebrew. So um, we drink a lot of different things. We try a lot of different things. And uh, if you're someone who says, oh, I don't like beer, um, I (laughs) challenge you that you just haven't found the right beer yet. That's right. Um, There are as many types of beer out there as there are flavors of ice cream, if not more. And (laughs) uh, there's one out there that, uh, that you'll like. So uh, every week we uh, we try to be drinking something different that we haven't drank before mm-hmm. or talked about on the show before. 
So, Nikki, I see you uh, with a nice, frosty, foamy beverage over there. Uh, why don't you tell us uh, what you're enjoying today? All right. I am trying something new today, and it is called Old Chub. <laughs> and it's a Scotch Ale by Oscar Blues Brewery. They're out in Colorado, USA. And it's kind of funny because the top of the can, it's in a can, says it's like Sputnik. But I don't really understand what they're getting at. <laughs> but the beer itself is very dark. And the first smell is pretty malty. But when I sip it, it's actually kind of tart. I'm not sure what's giving it that flavor. I assume the um, the yeast. But it's pretty good. You know, I haven't I haven't tried that one before. Oh, Hand well, it over. I want to taste it. Okay. There you go. It's pretty good. I'd buy it again. I do like scotch ales. Oh, yeah. That's not bad. Yeah. So, I see you also have a yummy beer, not as dark as mine. What are you drinking, Lex? Well, this is a, a bit of a departure from uh, the kind of thing I usually drink, but it's it's really, really good. Um, this is Krabby's original alcoholic ginger beer. Mm. So, if you guys have never had an alcoholic ginger beer... Um, you're, You're missing, missing out. out. Yeah. This, this stuff is awesome. Um, they recommend that you serve it chilled over ice uh, with a slice of lime or lemon. But I, for one thing, uh, think that pouring beer or even something like this over ice is sacrilege. <laughs> and I also think that putting fruit in my beer is sacrilege. So I'm just drinking it straight up. Um, it is delicious. Uh, if, if you've ever had a non-alcoholic ginger beer, it's similar um, but, but this is better. And this is, uh, I'm trying to see, is Krabby's the brewery? Uh, you know what? I don't know. I think um, it's actually just the, the name of their beer, but I'm not sure who brews it. Yeah. We'll look, um, look but for that. this is, uh, imported from Edinburgh. And oh, cool. Yeah. And this particular brewery has been around since 1801. And we're looking at a 4.8% alcohol by volume. So it's it's comparable to a lot of the, the non-craft beers that you see out there. It's not going to knock you over or anything. But <laughs> right. it, it is very, very tasty. And, and if you are someone who says, I don't like beer, um, this would be something to try. Yeah, because, it's a good start. Um, if you like ginger or you like ginger ale or mm -hmm. root beer or things mm -hmm. like that, um, you would probably like this. But it's very delicious. Speaking of things that are delicious, brings us to our magically delicious segment. The magically delicious. <laughs> and we're talking about the flavor picks of the week. Yeah, you guys should be thankful I did not um, subject you to my horrible attempt at a uh, Irish accent. Oh I, no. So. <laughs> I know better than to try. <laughs> Thank you, Lex. <laughs> so first on the list, we have Rise of Dark Realms. Yeah, so we're going to be doing a, a couple different things with this segment on different episodes. But um, today, we're doing our flavor picks of the week, which is where we uh, tell you some flavor text that we found that we think is especially good or entertaining. This is probably the... Um, redheaded stepchild of the magic card. Oh, yeah. The least often <laughs> read or, um, 
Yeah. You know, I've, I've heard people do, do quizzes. Well, there were like one person will name some magic card from some set years okay. ago and the other person will say, Oh, well, this, it's this mana cost and these are the abilities. I would love to, to see a contest like that with flavor text. I bet oh, there man. are very few people who would do well at a game like that where very few. I read Maybe the one. flavor text and you tell me what card it's from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or I tell you the card and you have to tell me what the flavor oh, text yeah, is. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> okay, so so I picked one. This is a little bit more uh, Nikki's cup of tea than mine. Um, I, I am a little guilty of not always reading the flavor text. So it's a great thing uh, when you're waiting for your opponent to make a decision. That you <laughs> right. can start reading that flavor text. <laughs> um, this card is a Mythic Rare card from uh, the Magic 2014 core set. It's uh, Rise of the Dark Realms, which is a sorcery card. And uh, it has a quote on here from Liliana Vess. And mm-hmm. Liliana, bleh, if I could talk, Liliana is a planeswalker, right? Am yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Of the of Dark Realm, of course. Yeah. She's awesome. Um, so this is what Liliana has to say. She says, for every living person, there are generations of dead. Which realm would you rather rule? <laughs> Yeah, I like her. Black for you. (laughs) Yeah, and she's had other quotes and other cards, and from what I've read, they're always kind of a little bit snotty and like I don't know, just very. um, She has a lot of attitude. That's what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Yeah, she does. Well, she's black. I mean, right? You know, they're they're all about you know power and no holds barred, and I will do anything to defeat you and stomp you into the ground. So yeah. You just expect them to have some, <laughs> some attitude. You yeah. Know? They do have attitude. <laughs> All right. So uh, what's your pick for this week? I actually have um, Viper's Kiss and that is from Theros. It's a common card, but I kind of like the text on this one. The image of is of course of a snake biting um, some poor unfortunate soul. And the text is, I could heal a snake bite. Looks like you've gotten bitten by a constellation. <laughs> and that's by Escalos, the healer of Farika. I'm sure I'm butchering the names. You can correct me, but. <laughs> Is it Farika? Farika, yeah. Farika. Farika. <laughs> and that kind of brings us to our next card because I think this card is the same person. Farika's Mender? Mm hmm. Okay, yeah, this is, this is a really cool card. It's a, uh, it's a gold card, um, using green and black mana so um green one of my my old-time favorite colors and you know black uh i uh i listened to mark rosewater's uh podcast about the philosophy of the black magic um, oh yeah this last week and uh, i'm digging the black really you know <laughs> i i have to say when i listened to him talk about white magic i was like mm-hmm. oh my god what a bunch of douchebags <laughs> Like, oh my god! Like, they kind of are. Yeah, we're we're gonna talk about spell slingers a little bit later in the podcast. But if you've seen the episode of Spell Slingers with Felicia Day, mm-hmm. when she goes on her little rant about the white, uh, the Theros white douchebags, <laughs> um, I am right with her. I mean, oh my god, these guys! Um, but black, I mean, black is freaking awesome. It's like every man for himself, you know, no one is going to look out for you like you look out for you. Yeah, totally. And if there is a tool out there that you can use to win and you don't use it, 
You are a fool. <laughs> right. <laughs> that sounds like Liliana herself. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. The, the flavor text on this card. Um, I, do we have a, uh, no, we don't know who's saying this. Um, yeah, correct. There is no, they don't actually say who it is. No attribution? No, I'm assuming it's actually the character on the card. So it's actually Farika's mender herself that's saying it. Okay. So here's the quote. It says, the direst venom becomes a panacea under Farika's guidance. I bring it to the worthy clinging at the edge of the abyss. (laughs) I totally fucked that up. But otherwise, that was was poetry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I like the visuals on that. It's kind of neat. But, yeah. And the, I mean, it goes along with what the card does, which is um, you can return a target creature or enchantment card from your graveyard to your hand when it comes out. Awesome. Yeah. So I like when they, they kind of play off of each other, and sometimes some flavor text actually plays off the image. So I think the writers have the image and, and what the card will do before they write the text. Yeah, and if you'd like to see the the art for these uh, cards that we're talking about, I mean, obviously, you could just Google them. Um, but you can also go to gatherer.wizards.com, which is Wizards of the Coast uh, Magic Gathering uh, card database, and just uh, do a search for Farika's Mender or any of the other cards we've talked about. And uh, you'll, you'll get a look at the card and see the, the flavor text and the art and everything. Yeah, I really think that um, you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't take the time to appreciate this part of magic. I just love it. The art and the text. (laughs) Oh, are you talking about the flavor text? Yeah, and the art itself. Like these aspects get kind of neglected, I think, sometimes, as you've said before. Yeah, well, I don't know. The art, not so much. I think people notice the art. It's kind of hard. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I guess it's hard not to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's really the the part of the card that really that really pops. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I I do think that that maybe some people don't really really look at the art. You know yeah. what I mean? Like like really kind of study it and and right, right. and and uh, appreciate what's going on there. Um, I I would love a Magic the Gathering calendar. Like, oh, that would be like awesome. a Theros Magic the Gathering calendar. Yeah. And we could all vote on uh, which cards we want to be featured, like which art mm-hmm. our favorites. I mean, obviously the gods, like oh, yeah. um, Nylea and Thassa and um, oh, what the red guy, his art is really cool too. Phosphorus? Per- Perforos? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And, and Erebos. He's, yeah. He's badass. And, mm-hmm. Um, I guess the only one we're not talking about is Heliod, poor white douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> They're pretty self-righteous. Yeah. Where there is no way, the seeker will find a path. Lesson number four. You said the last one was number four. Number five, then! Are you making these up? Welcome to the Beginner's Bone segment, where we throw those beginners a bone. <laughs> Yeah, she had to say that because uh, I came up with the name for this segment and Nikki was like, beginner's bone, what the what? hell is what? that? 
do I want to know what that is? <laughs> it sounds a little dirty. Yeah, it's it's G-rated, okay? <laughs> it's, you know, the phrase, throw me a bone. Okay, you know? got it. <laughs> like, you know, the poor new magic player that's just surrounded by all this jargon and strategy and 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 you know not knowing which phase of the combat he's in you know it's like throw that Aww. poor guy a bone so that's what we're trying to do here or girl because it was definitely me at one time yeah yeah i definitely say guy in that that sloppy uh gender neutral kind of way right and like dude everyone's a dude doesn't yeah matter. yeah we don't english english language like really sucks in so many ways I know. And, and one of the many ways is we don't have a good neutral pronoun yeah. like gender neutral i mean it but nobody likes <laughs> to be called a good it. one <laughs> so yeah so this week for the beginner's bone i, I have a couple things i want to mention okay um first of all i want to tell you guys about uh magic 2014 um which is a uh pc game uh that you can get on steam i don't know can you get it other places other than steam or are you stuck maybe with steam? but i don't know for sure I'm not a huge Steam fan. I'll, I'll be honest. I but, like Steam. But anyway, um, I've I've played this game on Steam, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I really recommend it to you if you're new to the game or just starting out. Um, because the cool thing about this game is it does a really great job of teaching you how to play. Um, for any of you that have been around the block a few times and have have tried to teach a new player how to play Magic, it's kind of a daunting task. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, unless this person is going to go do hours of reading online, um, there's, there's not really like a good go-to place right. to, to just get kind of what you need to know as you need to know it kind of thing. Oh, exactly. Um, and, and it's probably not hard for you teaching somebody, or it probably is hard for you teaching somebody because they have a lot of questions over and over. It'll often be the same question. <laughs> Well, and also, um, unlike a game like, say, chess, you know, chess is relatively easy to teach because there's only, you know, so many pieces and, you know, you just teach the person, you know, this is what the knight does, this is what the queen does, this is what the pawn does. And I mean, yeah, they got to learn that, but it's it's a very small number of of permutations. But magic, I mean, there's tens of thousands of magic (laughs) cards out there and, and you can't obviously tell someone what all the cards are, or even all the mechanics. You know, if you yeah. start trying to tell them, oh, well, there's lifelink and there's trample and there's flying and there's, I mean, you would go crazy <laughs> trying to think of all the different keyword mechanics out there. Yeah. So, so you end up kind of just like, well, we'll just play and we'll just explain things as they come up. Right. Um, and it's, it's really difficult, but Magic 2014 has a great tutorial um, when you first start the game. And it has a really brilliant way, I think, of of teaching magic. You start out playing, and you're playing against the computer, against the AI. And you start out, and you just basically have land and creatures. And you mm-hmm. play a hand or two or whatever with just land and creatures, and you kind of you kind of learn that. And then the game adds, I think, enchantments next. Yeah, I think so. And then you know you play with just lands and creatures and enchantments, and then it adds sorceries and instants and Mm -hmm. artifacts and and all these different things and it just adds it bit by bit in in a way that uh makes it a lot easy to kind of learn the game step by step a little piece at a time yeah totally i thought it was great for me too because there were a lot of 
Um, well, there were some mechanics that I just didn't encounter very often. So this made sure it covered everything and it refreshed my memory on a lot. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's it's a, a computer game, so it's, it's very visual and um, it, it's... Um, Visually, I'd say it's a very nice game. It's very attractive, yeah. I guess, especially compared to, to Magic Online. Um, the game does have its problems. I, I don't know that I would recommend the game just as a game to play mm. um, because there are a lot of bugs, especially when you go trying to play multiplayer with people online. Oh, man. Um, a lot of the times the games will freeze in the middle of a match. Uh. and It's... Like, there's a lot of problems with the game, but just as far as a way for a new person to learn magic, mm -hmm. I think it's great. And the awesome thing is, is you can go on the Steam and you can download the demo for the game and you can play through the tutorial, which is the part that teaches you how to play magic and, and it's totally free. You don't have to buy the game or buy any cards or anything. Okay. Now, now once you want to start doing multiplayer and things like that, you do have to pay for it. Um, honestly, unless you're just in a situation where you just have no one, like no real people to play magic with, and that's the only way to play magic, unless you're in that situation, I would say don't buy it. It's really not worth it. Oh, okay. <laughs> the game has too many problems, but I mean, you can do the tutorial for free and it's mm -hmm. a great way to learn magic. And, uh, you know, if I was going to teach someone magic, I think I would just sit them down in front of my computer and say, Hey, play through this tutorial. I'll sit here with you and kind of help explain things. But I think it's a lot better way to do it than, than any other way I've tried before. Okay. I actually, just to throw in my two cents. Sure, definitely. Okay. I am going to have to say that you say don't buy, I say buy because I'm still playing through like the computer, just against the computer. I know you beat the whole thing because you're a boss, but <laughs> <laughs> I haven't yet. I'm still playing against the computer. And um, it. I love how you get all these different decks with different mechanics. And some of them are mechanics that, again, I've never seen. So it's neat for me to see the possibilities. And if I'm building my own deck, if I'm if we do it like a draft or something like that, it kind of opens my mind to, well, I know this is how this works. And I know how I can incorporate it into my deck and with other cards. And this is what I'll be looking for when I'm drafting. So I don't know. I kind of like it. I think it, I, I'd say buy. But I also haven't r ran into as many bugs as you have. Yeah, mainly the bugs occur with the multiplayer when you're okay. trying to play with other people. Um, you're right. Uh, I, I guess I, I've let my frustration with the game kind of color my opinion because, like you said, I, I've played through all the, the campaign and, yeah. and I've beat all that. And, and so really the only thing left for me in the game is the multiplayer and it just so often doesn't work like it's supposed to. Um, but what, what does it cost on steam? It's like 10 bucks, right? Yeah, like nine ninety nine. You bought it for me. So yeah, it was 10. Yeah. So, <laughs> so considering the amount of time it takes you to go through the single player campaign, um, yeah. for 10 bucks, I, yeah, it's, it's worth your money. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's also for like four ninety nine. there's an expansion to it. Um, I will say the expansion was a bit, a bit of a letdown. It's nowhere near as much content as the original game, Oh, but I guess it is half the price. So, um, right. Yeah. As far as the single player aspect of it, it's, 
I, I like it and I enjoy it. And especially, um, to learn magic, it's, it's a great, a great way to go. Okay. Um, but as far as multiplayer, you're much better off just playing magic for real with people because it's got some problems. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. And then we have our second little tip for beginners and for everybody listening, because I love this show. You should definitely check out Spell Slingers on Geek and Sundry. Yeah. If you guys uh, haven't heard about this or haven't checked it out yet, it's a, what do you call it? A web, a web show or? Yeah. Kind of a, yeah. I wouldn't say a video blog. So yeah, it's a web show. It's, it's very well produced. It's not like some crappy YouTube video no, by someone awesome. with a crappy little camera. It's, <laughs> it's like, like watching an actual TV show. Oh, and yeah. It's got great production. Um, every week, uh, the guy, day nine, I, I don't remember what his real name is. Uh, he, he will, play against uh someone uh all sorts of someone famous quote-unquote famous yeah um and sometimes not so famous i think the first guy they had on was just like one of his buddies which is totally cool yeah (laughs) if i had a show i'd uh, bring on my buddy (laughs) yeah felicia day's been on there uh, grant Imahara from uh Mythbusters. That's right. Um, that one was hilarious. But basically, they they just play uh, a game of magic together, and it's really cool. It's it's funny. It's fun. Um, and if you are a new player, it's a great way to get some exposure to the game because they do kind of explain uh, some of the mechanics. And especially if you read like the little pop up text that comes up, it it really explains a lot of what's going on and and right now they're using the new theros cards Mm -hmm. and it's just a lot of fun if you love magic definitely check it out yeah and i i like it because it's great for timmy's like us sometimes they'll comment on their play mats or (laughs) you know the whatever art and role playing they want to do with it so it's fun yeah yeah they have a lot of fun with it it's pretty hilarious This week for Starwalker Review, we're talking about the Theros Intro Packs. In the Starwalker Review segment, we'll be giving you um, some little critiques and reviews on things that we come across in the Magic the Gathering world. Yeah, and as I mentioned, back in my day, we <laughs> did not have intro decks. Um, there, there were no you know pre-made decks that you had to play, so... Um, starting out in magic, you know, not only did you have to learn how to play the game, but you had to learn how to build a decent deck. And, uh, that's a lot, uh, a lot to chew, uh, all at once. Mm -hmm. So one thing that, that I really like about magic these days and and some of the changes that they've made to the game is that they do have these pre-made decks that, that you can buy and play right out of the box. Now, of course, they're, they're not going to be, you know, the most competitive deck out there. Some guy right. with a, a $1,000 deck is going to beat you, but mm-hmm. um, it's a great way to start. So the new intro packs are are using Theros cards and they're they're using uh, some cards from, some M, from M14 and some other previous sets. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are five of them. Of course. And... They all have a kind of a primary color and a secondary color. And I just realized that right here, I just have the primary color written down. Oops. 
So um, we'll have to see if we can remember the secondaries. I, I think we'll be able to. Okay. Um, so first we have Black, uh, and this deck features the Abhorrent Overlord. And I believe this is a, a black and blue deck, if yeah. I remember correctly. Yeah, I think you're right. And then we have Blue, and this deck features the Shipbreaker Kraken. And I know for a fact that this is a blue and red deck, or as I like to call it, a purple deck. <laughs> um, because I have this deck, and I, I've played it, and I, I like it. It's a lot of fun. Um, Why do you like it? Well, as I said earlier, I've, I've really been digging blue lately. Um, I love the the variety of things that you can do with blue. I love being able to counter spells and unsummon creatures. And um, especially in Theros where, you know, you can have some, some creature become monstrous or mm-hmm. a creature bestowed onto another creature, being able to send that creature... Um, back to the library or back to the person's hand um which they call bouncing the creature yeah um Mm -hmm. is is really cool because now they have to resummon it and they have Mm to make it monstrous again or re-bestow it or re-enchant it or whatever they're gonna do yeah um and uh i also like blue because of the flyers which which are great um especially all these years uh playing green a lot of times i was happy if i had a way to block flyers much rather (laughs) having flyers of my own right um and then the the red part of the deck has um you know a lot of like direct damage uh so ways to just you know kill other creatures right out um the deck doesn't have a ton of creatures especially um lower cost creatures it does have some big creatures that you can kind of bring out later and end mm-hmm. the game with, like like the Shipbreaker Kraken, who oh is God. awesome. <laughs> um, and it's it's really cool because you know having having a deck where uh, for a big part of the game you actually don't have any creatures in play is not, at least in my experience, isn't "quote unquote" normal magic. You know, right. mo- most decks you play have a lot of creatures. Um, so I like it just because it's kind of different and it's kind of fun sitting there with no creatures out, but yet my opponent is still kind of scared to do anything because they don't know <laughs> if I'm just going to counter their spell or blast their creature to oblivion or send their creature back to their hand. Or... Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, next, we have the green deck featuring, uh, I believe this is pronounced Anthusa, mm-hmm. the Satessian hero. And this is a green and white deck, I believe. We we have this right. one. We actually we have all of these except one. Um, Which one do we not have? The uh, white one. The the one we don't have is white and black. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I think that's this fourth one, the white one, featuring the celestial archon, and then the fifth one is a red deck featuring the ember swallower. And that is red and green, right? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the one you've been playing. Yeah. And I like that one quite a bit. Um, I haven't played it in a little while, so it's not fresh in my mind. But of course, I love red. And it's kind of, I feel like I play a lot of red up front and then green later on. You know, I bring out the little guys and then I bring out the bigger guys, of course, later. And they kind of, the red I bring out just to prolong, you know, keep keep going until I can get enough mana to bring out the green guys. So... Yeah. It's fun. So each of these decks, 
uh, contains one premium foil rare card. So that's the the card that I mentioned for each deck. Uh, the black one has the Abhorrent Overlord. Mm-hmm. The blue one has Shipbreaker Kraken and so on. They also each contain a a 60-card playable deck. And then it also comes with two Theros booster packs, which is kind of cool because you can open that up, see what you get, and and you might have some ways to kind of customize your deck or uh, optimize it or, or make some changes to it, yeah. depending on what you get. Now, now, again, the booster packs are random as far as what cards you get, so... You know, you may not get cards that would be good in that particular deck. Right. But, but everybody loves opening booster packs, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Damn straight. And then they they each also uh, include a learn-to-play insert, which is just this big piece of paper that you unfold that kind of gives very basics of magic. I'm not mm-hmm. a fan of this thing. I don't think it even gives, like, all the segments of the turn in like all the phases of combat like like yeah, no. it's very very lacking yeah i mean even the uh the, the uh starter decks back you know in alpha and beta and stuff i mean they came with this little booklet that told you more about the game than what this oh, thing really? seems to hmm. um but you know it's it's the world we live in just about anything you buy anymore it doesn't come with any kind of a manual you got to go online and download right. and print some yeah. pdf or something you know, it's like I bought this mixer for the podcast and I spent all this money on this like high tech mixer. Nope, no manual. I got to no. print it off. No, you know what they did give you, though, is a little pamphlet of ads for their other products. Oh, yeah. A catalog. <laughs> right. Which, which, a catalog. Yeah. Full color, glossy paper. But, you know, they can't even print out the stupid black and white manual for me. Yeah. What's up with that? So anyway, um, where was I? Oh, and there is also a strategy insert. Now, this is actually, you get the same insert for in each deck. It's just a generic insert. Okay. But it tells you um, what cards are in each deck, and it tells you kind of a basic strategy of what the deck wants to do, kind of how to play it, kind of the um, the design strategy behind the deck. And okay. then if I remember correctly, it does give a, a couple ideas of... Um, other cards you could put in the deck to kind of tweak it, but not, oh, okay. not a whole lot of guidance there. Hmm. Um, so as far as our opinions on these decks, um, I, I guess I, I have a bunch of stuff listed here as far as what I think about them, but oh, before yeah. I, I go on my ramble, um, Nikki, what, what do you think of the intro decks? What's, what's your, uh, review of them I guess? Well, my review would be a little bit short only because I've played only one of them, I think, but I mean, I've reviewed, I've taken a look at all of them. And I think that it's a great idea to have intro decks and kind of maybe help out a beginner or give somebody a starting point. Um, and I do love like the, the pre-made deck idea is kind of fun. And, um, Overall, so far, I like it. Again, like you said, it's not going to be ultra pro, beat everything kind of deck. But if you're playing, you know, maybe four of the intro decks against each other, it's fun. And okay. it's definitely worth buying. Okay. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I I agree. The the decks are fun to play. Um, uh, it's a good way to see some of the new Theros cards in action. Oh, yeah. Um, even if you're not a new player, but maybe you've taken a break or you just haven't gotten into the Theros cards yet, mm-hmm. it's a good way to, to 
to kind of see some of those cards. Right. Yeah. Um, however, I don't think it's as good for beginners as uh, the Magic 2014 game that we talked right, about earlier. Yeah. Um, because again, that that strategy insert. I mean, it gives you some guidance, but um, if you're a completely new player to the game, you're gonna be like, "What?" Oh yeah, yeah. That <laughs> um, that little learn to play insert that you were talking yeah. about. I think it basically just has, these are the five colors of mana, and this is kind right. of what they're about. <laughs> this <laughs> is it. how to lay out the board, you know? Yeah, like, oh, yeah. well, I know where the cards go, but yeah, yeah not not super helpful. Um, however, that said, um, th- these are way better than the starter decks that, that I started out with that mm-hmm. weren't even, you know, designed to be playable decks. Like, these... Yeah. These are, um, actual playable decks. Like the, the cards have, they're not random. The cards have been chosen. Um, there is a strategy to the deck. There is a theme to it. Um, now they're not super competitive. Um, you know, I flip through them and I, you know, it's not hard for me to find, you know, quite a few cards that I would just throw out and replace with something better. Yeah. No, I agree. But, um, they they are good for for a new player. Um, also, each of the decks is dual colored, which I think um, you know there's good good and bad with different numbers of colors. But I think dual color is kind of a nice sweet spot, especially starting out. Um, you have a little more variety um, than a mono colored deck, yeah. but you don't have as many of the mana issues that you get into with a three or more color deck yep um so nikki and i actually are are very well qualified to review this product or these products because we actually did use these decks uh to play with some brand new magic players Mm -hmm. yeah we we have a couple friends another uh married couple never played magic before and we'd gotten we kind of have a game night with these guys every once in a while and so we'd gotten them to agree to, uh, you know, trying out some magic with us. So, um, we were like, well, let's, let's get some of these intro decks because right. they're supposed to be quote unquote simpler, you know, more basic strategies and mechanics for a new player. And, and we'll kind of, we'll get to play some new decks, which will be fun for us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we can start them out with something that'll be a little, bit of a better like point of entry for them mm-hmm. so we we got four of the decks one for each of us and i played the blue and red deck and nikki played the red and green deck and then they played the black and blue deck and the green and white deck mm-hmm. and we we played a couple a couple games with them and uh i have to say i was a little surprised um, at some of the mechanics I was seeing in these cards, like yeah. to me, I don't think they were great decks for beginners at mm-hmm. all. Um, there were some, you know, some involved mechanics in, in those decks. Uh, and I was kind of like a little bit like, what the fuck? You know, like yeah. this is Wizards idea of, hey, let's make a product for new players. Um, I think if I was a new player, I might have been a little intimidated I think, and one of our decks. players, I think, was. Yeah. You know, she was just kind of like, well, I don't really, like, I can't really get this. Like, is this a flying creature? Is that, I don't, 
<laughs> you know, like I don't know what I can do to what. So I'm just kind of thrown in the towel. <laughs> and that was a little sad for me. I wish I had something that I could really um, introduce it slowly and piece by piece. Yeah. So I I have a personal belief that I don't think it's right to criticize someone uh, for something that they do unless you can offer a, 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 a solution. Okay. So I have a solution. Okay, so anybody from Wizards who's listening, <laughs> I actually emailed this to Mark Rosewater. Oh, okay. um, however, I did it through the website, and it's like mm-hmm. one of those little form-based email things. Yeah, and like you send it, and there's no like confirmation that it sent. Oh, you know, usually cool. like you send that, it'll say, yeah. "Oh, you know, you'll get a reply in so long or something." Like right, it right, just right. like went away, and that was it. So I don't oh. know if he even got it. <laughs> Um, I haven't heard back from them. That so. is bad UI, people. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so, but anyway, so so this was my idea. And, and this is not in any way like 100% um, unique or original idea. You know, okay. I'm, I'm riffing off of things that Wizards has already done, but it's way better than these intro packs for a new player. So, so this is it. it is basically take what works from Magic 2014, which we've already talked about, mm-hmm. and put it to paper. And and so basically, this this is what I think would be a great uh, starter deck for a new player. Um, you could make five of these decks, one for each color, make a mono color. Mm-hmm. And uh, the way you could market this thing is on on the the package where you're describing the product. Describe that color. Mm-hmm. So if I'm new to magic and I'm in the store and I'm looking at these decks and I'm deciding which one I want to buy, mm-hmm. you know, tell me what green's about. Tell me what white's about. And then I can pick the deck that sounds the coolest to me. You know, mm-hmm. if I read the blue and I'm like, oh, this is illusions and mind magic and disrupting spells and flying creatures and and water creatures and right. leviathans and things like that. That sounds really cool. I'm going to buy this blue deck. Mm-hmm. Okay. And now when you, when you open this deck, you actually, you know how like when you open, um, not a booster pack, but like, uh, like, well, like the intro packs, how they have this, the cards kind of cellophane together. Yeah, totally. So you would open this deck and you would have a, a few different cards, groups of cards cellophane together. Okay. So the first and the biggest group of cards would be like, say a 30 to 40 card deck cellophane together and this would just be lands and vanilla creatures and by by vanilla creatures i mean creatures without any kind of abilities just a two two creature or a three three creature or or maybe like a four four flying creature but no crazy things like death touch or lifelink or trample or anything like destructible okay yeah just vanilla creatures so your new player, and of course, this product would include a really good uh, document of the rules and, yes. and step-by-step how to play this game. Mm-hmm. So the player starts out with just this first little pack of 30 or 40 cards, just land, just vanilla creatures. Mm-hmm. You and your buddy can each buy one of these starter decks and play against each other. Mm-hmm. Get a feel for the game. Get a feel for combat. Get a feel for how it all works. Then when you're comfortable with that, you have another little cellophane of cards. And this is just a few sorceries and an appropriate number of lands so that when you add these sorceries and these lands to the original cards, you still have a a good 
you know, land the spell ratio. Right. And now, just like in Magic 2014, now you're just playing with vanilla creatures and sorceries. Mm -hmm. Get the hang of that. Then you open your next little pack, and that maybe that one has some enchantments and some artifacts. And again, with a few more lands so that you keep your ratios where they need to mm -hmm. be. So now you get a feel for that. And now your next pack has some instants in it. So now you, you learn how to use interest instants and, and how to bring that into the gameplay. And again, this has a few more lands, so you keep your land to spell ratio where mm -hmm. it needs to be. And then your last pack um, would have a few uh, what they call French vanilla creatures. Still fairly simple creatures, but maybe they have like one special ability like lifelink or death touch okay. or trample or something like that. Yeah. And, and just limit it to the more straightforward abilities And then, so this way, a new player can step by step add in more complexity to the game mm -hmm. as they feel comfortable. And you could have a whole group of people buying these decks, playing together. Oh, and yeah. as long as everybody's adding packs at the same time, it everything is equal. It's like, okay, now we're all going to add enchantments. Now we're all going to add instants. So right. you don't have one guy playing instants and nobody else is, and he's got an advantage. Right. So yeah, that's that's my idea. And uh, I think it would work. And I think, uh, you know, once you added all these cards together, you end up with a playable 60-card deck. Yeah, I really like it. That's a great idea. If you hear back from him, let us know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious. <laughs> There aren't any easy answers. Magic isn't good or bad. It's complicated. That's lesson number six. You are making these up, aren't you? Well, Nikki, we finally made it. We're to our format favorite section segment, whatever you call it. <laughs> so, so this was actually um, one of the first ideas we had for the podcast was um, we were talking about how there are so many different ways to play magic in each different way. It's like its own game. Um, And there's so many that we haven't even tried yet that that at least I'm really excited to try some of these. Oh, yeah. How about you, Nikki? You excited? <laughs> yes, definitely. Okay. So we thought what we would do is we're going to try out these these formats that we haven't tried, and we're going to tell you guys all about them as we do so. Yep. So for this week, we are going to start talking about a format that uh, is new to me called Wizard's Tower. Yes, me too. So the way I first found out about Wizard's Tower was uh, Nikki and I got a Theros fat pack because we love Theros. <laughs> and for those of you that don't know, a fat pack is a really awesome product by Wizards. I, I love oh, the yeah. fat packs. Um, you get nine, nine booster packs. Yeah. You get a pack of 80 lands. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing comes in this really nice box that you can keep your cards in. Mm -hmm. And it's not like a cheap uh, cardboard box, like uh, like flimsy cardboard. It's, yeah, it's, it's hard cardboard. Yeah, it's like like a Monopoly board, almost, mm -hmm. kind of cardboard. Yeah. Um, and it also comes with a couple of the cheap cardboard little <laughs> deck boxes for like, you know, a single... I think you could get a 60-card deck plus a sideboard in one of those. It comes with okay. two of those. Mm -hmm. It comes with a spin counter, or as most of us know them, a 20-sided die. 
um, for tracking your life. A spin counter? Yeah, that's what they call them. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, it's like the term 20-sided die is trademarked or something. They, they want to call it a spin counter. But okay. yeah, that's what in the product descriptions, that's, that's what they call them. <laughs> okay. But it's a 20-sided die. <laughs> right. Um, and uh, it also, and, and this is actually one of the things I like most about it, it comes with a, a little booklet. Um, so the Theros one, it tells you some about Theros. It tells you about the gods. And then it, it lists, well, it doesn't list. It shows you every card in the set. It has an actual image of the card big enough that you can actually read the text on the card and yeah. see what the card looks like. And it has all of them. Um, so you can see all the cards in the set. And you can see it's also at the very end, it's got like a checklist. So you can keep track of, of which cards you have and which cards you don't have. Yeah, it's very nice. Yeah. And, and it's got some flavor stuff. And, and, uh, so far I've only gotten the fat pack from Theros and from the M14 core set. Mm -hmm. But both of those had, uh, the, the 10 coolest cards of the set, um, which is pretty cool. <laughs> So the Theros set, or the Theros uh, fat pack, I mean, also in this book has the rules for Wizard's Tower, which is an alternate format. It's a different way to play Magic for two to five players, although I don't really see why you couldn't play with more than five people if you wanted to. Maybe just throw some more cards in. Yeah. Um, and also, you if you don't have a Theros fat pack or you don't want to go get one, um, the rules for this format are on Wizards' site, and we will have a link to that in our show notes. For sure. So I'm just going to kind of give you the rundown of of how it works, and okay. then we're going to talk about um, what we like about this and um, kind of our experience with it so far. Okay, that sounds good. So uh, the easiest way to build a Wizards' Tower is just to buy one of these fat packs. If, if you get one of these fat packs, you... You've got a wizard's tower right there. Yeah. So you take your pack of your 80 lands and you take your nine booster packs and you just unwrap all the cards. Mm -hmm. uh, you take out any like non magic card cards in the booster packs. Like sometimes you get like a little rules card or you get yeah, a, a token. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You take those out and then you just shuffle everything together. And probably the hardest thing about this format is shuffling all these cards. So if anybody <laughs> knows sure. of a good way to shuffle <laughs> over 200 magic cards, let me know. <laughs> okay, so you shuffle all your cards together. And um, they recommend in this document, and this is how we did it, and we thought it was fun, is don't look at the cards. When you're opening the booster packs, don't mm -hmm. look at the cards. Just blindly shuffle them so that, you know, when you're playing your tower, you don't even know what's in it. Like, every time you draw a card, it's a surprise. Yeah. That's which is fun. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you shuffle all these cards together into one big, huge deck. <laughs> That'll take you a while. So... Go shuffle. Um, <laughs> we'll wait and come back when you're ready. <laughs> and then, as usual, you determine randomly who's going to go first. Yep. And then uh, you deal three cards to each player. So you just have one big-ass library, one big-ass mm -hmm. stack of these cards. You deal three cards to each player. And then, starting with the first player... Each player may discard any number of those three cards and then redraw that many cards. 
Mm-hmm. So, you, so you can get rid of one, two, or three of those cards, and you draw that many more. Once everybody's done this, then you shuffle the discarded cards and put them at the back bottom of this big, huge library of cards that you've got. Mm-hmm. Then you put the top seven cards of the deck face up in the middle of the table. Now, this big deck of cards is now a library that everybody shares. Mm-hmm. And basically, you play the game just like you play normal Magic, um, like free-for-all multiplayer Magic. Um, the, the big difference is in your draw step. So when your turn starts, first you choose one of the seven face-up cards. So before you draw, first thing in your turn, you pick one of those seven cards that are face-up and you put that into your hand. If there aren't any cards face up you draw seven cards and put them face up right in the middle of the table can i be really nitpicky with you for a second <laughs> yeah. i think you untap first and then you draw a card right i mean if we're just if we're just talking about each person's turn i know i'm, I'm being crazy nitpicky but <laughs> i was just saying that you do this before you draw oh okay and and this this that i'm reading is assuming this is the first turn of the game oh, so there's no okay. untap i gotcha but yeah, you're right. You do your <laughs> like every everything else is like normal magic. You're untap and you oh, know, everything okay. else works the same. The only thing that's really different is the draw, because you start out and you draw one of these seven community cards, right, right, and then you draw a card from the top. Of oh, the okay, deck. I see what you're saying. And and the order of that is important because your strategy could change, right? Exactly. If you know what the card you're drawing off the top of the deck is, it might change which of those seven cards you draw. So you definitely want to draw that community card first. Then you draw a card oh, yeah. from the top of the deck. Okay. And then you just play normal magic. Um, everybody shares the same one library, and everybody shares one graveyard. If you cast a spell that targets a card in an opponent's graveyard or manipulates the top card of your library, those cards affect the shared la- library or the graveyard. Mm-hmm. The face-up cards, those community cards are not considered to be in any game zone. So you can't okay. do anything to interact with those cards. Okay. They're in limbo. Other than that, the game is played as free-for-all magic game. The last player left standing wins. Okay. So um, so that's basically how it works. And again, you can, you can go to the website and check this out if this was confusing to you. Um, so, so Nikki and I, we started out, we listed what we saw as some pros and cons mm-hmm. to the game. Mm-hmm. So I really, I have to say, I really love Wizard's Tower. It's probably, I know it's going to sound weird, but it's probably my favorite format <laughs> to play Magic in just because. So far. So far, yes, so far. Because the games actually are longer, which can be a really fun thing. Because when games are really short, like, I don't know, it just sometimes it's not as interesting. Um, and this format is great because you play, of course, all five colors. And I love that as well. And so a lot of times it'll take you longer to get the mana that you need out. Hence, the games go longer. And you also see different cards every time you're playing. And you have no idea what's in the deck. So it's really awesome. I love that. And um, you also never know what your deck will actually turn out to be and what the hands will be and how the game's going to go. Um, you don't know what your opponent has, except you can see their community cards. So you know what they're taking. And that's really fun. 
Yeah. So, so something that we've learned um, that maybe wasn't immediately apparent to us, but but we've played Wizard's Tower a bit, uh, just the two of us and, and with some friends of ours. And there, some really interesting strategies can come about yeah. because of those community cards. Because um, not only are, if you're paying attention, which you have to remember to pay attention because sometimes <laughs> I forget to pay attention. Yeah. But if you're paying attention, you you know what those seven cards are. So anytime someone takes one of them, you know what they're taking. Mm-hmm. There's at least one card in their hand. You know what it is. And especially if you're paying attention and remembering what they're taking turn to turn, you can even start to kind of figure out what their strategy is and, yeah. and start to guess what they might be doing next based on what they're taking. Um, but the the other thing is that I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about the community cards and the interesting strategy. strategy. Oh, mm-hmm. um, you also, unlike an, a normal game of Magic, unless you're playing blue, um, <laughs> you also can kind of plan ahead in a way that you normally wouldn't. Because, like, oh, let's say it's your right. turn and, and there's seven cards out in yeah. the community pool. You can say, okay, I'm going to take this card. But if it comes back around to me and this other card is still there, I'm going to take that one next and right. do this thing with that card and this card. Yep. And uh, we just played last night and, and I had a situation where I saw um, two cards in the community cards and and they interacted in an interesting way with the cards I had in my hand. Mm-hmm. And I started developing the strategy and I'm like, oh my God, I hope she doesn't take that other card before <laughs> I get a chance to take it. Did I take it? I don't remember. <laughs> no, you didn't. But oh, okay. I never got to do the strategy because it, it just never worked out. Right. That yeah. I got to do that strategy. Well, but, that's why I like there's so much randomness to it, right? You never know what's really going to happen. Right. And there, there's a lot of spontaneity. You know, anything's possible. Um, an, another pro that we see with this is it's a really easy way to get a game of magic going with your friends. Especially if you're dealing with some people that maybe are new to the game or newer or, or maybe, you know, one of your buddies comes over and, you know, you weren't planning on playing magic and you're like, Hey, let's play some magic. And they're like, Oh, I don't have any of my magic cards with me. You don't have to worry about building decks. You don't have to worry about. You know, oh, what deck are you playing? What deck am I going to play? Are are these going to be balanced? You know, because yeah. you know, being Timmy's, we we like balanced, fun games. You know, like like Nikki said, I I don't enjoy a game that's over in three turns. You know, yeah. I want to play some magic. I don't want to sit there and like <laughs> kick someone's ass in three turns or vice versa. Yeah, well, I know I shouldn't expect this, but when I sit down to play a game of magic, I expect to be able to throw some spells, and I know that might be. Um, that might not be the right thing to expect because, again, like a game of magic, you, you could be over in a turn or two. <laughs> like, maybe not a turn, but a few turns, you know, and you never really get to do anything. But it doesn't feel like Wizard's Tower that's going to happen as much. Yeah, so so this is great because, you know, you don't have to worry about, you know, you can just throw together your booster packs, you know, throw together your Wizard's Tower yeah. and go. There's yeah. not really any prep. Um it's also, I think, a good format for new players because you don't have to worry about building a deck. You don't have to, you know, know how to build a good deck. You can just play your Wizard's Tower yeah. while you're learning the game. Um, and it's also can be a fun way to learn the cards of a new set and, and to see 
kind of organically in game see the synergies of the different cards and, mm. and how they can be played together. And um, another cool thing about it is, you know, it can be hard to play more than two or three colors in a deck unless you really know what you're doing or you really have special cards. Um, and the cool thing with Wizard's Tower is you get to play a five color deck and, and because um, of these seven community cards, you're, you're basically, you know, you only start out with three cards, but you still have the seven card maximum as yeah. normal. Mm -hmm. um, but you're basically every turn you're drawing two cards. And one of those is just a random card off the library. You don't know what it's going to be. But the other one, you get a pick from these cards mm -hmm. that are the community cards, assuming there's more than one. If there's only one left, then you have to take that one. <laughs> right. Um, but it's kind of nice because, you know, one thing that Nikki and I both figured out um, pretty quickly is, you know, a high pick, as they say, in the early turns is actually mana. Um, because yeah. you're looking at the cards in your hand and maybe, you know, maybe you've got green and white mana in your hand and then you've got some blue and red cards. And well, in the seven community cards, there's an island and there's a mountain. So you're going to be grabbing those. Mm -hmm. So um, you, I don't know. It just kind of you don't have the problems that you would normally have trying to play a five color deck because mm -hmm. you have more ways of, of getting the mana that you need. Um, but it's not all good things with this format. There are some possible drawbacks, right, sure. Nikki? Sure. One of them being the same thing as the, one of the pros that we mentioned, which is that games are longer. <laughs> you right. might not have that much time. Well, yeah. I mean, that kind of depends on your perspective. If <laughs> right. you see a longer game as a, a good thing or a bad thing. Right. Exactly. But but they, you know, we we've had a couple Wizard Tower games that were as long as a Commander game. Um, yeah, and then we've had ones that were over pretty quickly. Uh -huh. But I, from our experience, it seems more likely that it's going to be a longer game because yeah. in, in a deck of over 200 cards, you're, the odds of drawing the cards that can win you the game in a few turns are, are pretty low. Oh, yeah, definitely. And your plans are going to change as you play. Um, another kind of drawback is that it takes up a lot of space on a table. And I almost feel like when we play, I need a bigger table. <laughs> so that Well, we be... do need a bigger table. That's true. Regardless. Just in general. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another big drawback is the deck is huge and hard to shuffle. Um, you know, what we ended up doing when we were playing with four of us is we just gave each person a fourth of the deck and... We all kind of shuffled our part and then shuffled those <laughs> together. But but it is it is some doing, you know, yeah. shuffling this shuffling this monster deck. Um, <laughs> there there can be little to no card synergy yeah. unless you design the tower, which we'll get into that a little bit later. But if you're just opening random booster packs, especially if you're opening packs from like different sets, oh yeah, you could have little to no card synergy. I personally, I think it. It's probably more fun if you open all your boosters from a particular set. I agree. Or at least a particular block um, so that the cards work well together. But we'll get more into that a little later. Okay. Um, it can also be unbalanced from hand to hand. So we just kind of touched on that. You know, you could have one hand where you have exactly what you need and you're getting creatures out right away and kicking ass and taking names. And you could have another hand where, you know, it's three turns, four turns before you can do anything. 
Yeah, and true. and not only can that be imbalanced from game to game, but it can be imbalanced from person to person. So you could have one person that's just getting everything right now, and you could have mm-hmm. other people that have nothing. Um, but again, I at least in our experience, we've seen that happen, but not very often. Right. And honestly, that happens in any form of magic. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, it's the risk you take. Yeah, but with the seven community cards, it really minimizes that. I yeah, think. I think so too. And then finally, um, the randomness in the the cards you're getting from your booster packs um, can lead to problems with uh, color and land ratios. So, you know, you, you may end up with more of one color card than another color, and you may yeah. end up with more of one color of land than another color, and those may not um, correlate. So you may have tons of green cards, but not many forests and tons of... Yeah tons of black cards and not many swamps or, or something like that. Right. So um, just to give you guys an idea, we, we made a wizard's tower from a core set 2014 fat pack. Yeah. So we, so we did as recommended. We just took all the cards that came in the fat pack and that was our wizard's tower. We didn't do any kind of uh, alterations. Mm-mm. And just to give you an idea, this is what we ended up with. We ended up with 90 land and that was 80 land from the 80 land uh, land pack. And then we got uh, 10 more lands from booster packs. Mm-hmm. And then we ended up with 125 spell cards. So that came out to a total of 215, car- 215 cards wow. in our wizard's tower. Ooh. And I just did the math to see what kind of a land percentage we had. And yeah. we had 42% of the deck was land. Oh. Wow. And to me this seems like more than you need. Yeah, um usually if you're doing a 60 card constructed deck, you usually want like around 40% land. And at first I was like, well, maybe that extra 2% is good because you've got five colors and all that, but really with the seven community cards, I mean, we never seem to have mana issues when we've played. If anything, there's too much mana flying around. So, Yeah, um, it seems that way. Yeah. Now the number of land in your, uh, given wizard's tower will vary a little bit because you, you, you've got the 80 land from the, from the land pack, but then it's kind of random every time you open a booster if it has a land or not. Okay. Because some of them will have a land and then some of them will have like a token card or, uh, oh, right. Okay. I think. Um, so yeah, because somehow we ended up with 90 land in ours and there's only 80. In the pack, which we only opened nine boosters, so right. Huh. Either I counted wrong, or somehow we got maybe we got a foil or something. Somehow we ended Special up with end. another land or something. Yeah, yeah, okay. So all that said, um, we have some thoughts about the Wizard's Tower. Yeah, you could construct a more optimized Wizard's Tower if you wanted to, and um, it kind of removes. Um, what does this removes ease of starting game? Well, yeah, we we like, said that one of the kind of one of the benefits of the Wizard's Tower is you can just throw one together really easily and get playing. Oh, right, so right, if right, you're right. gonna you're construct one, it kind of eliminates that bonus because now you're going to be counting cards and just like you would constructing any other kind of deck. Right. Yeah. Okay. But it can help it perform better. Right. And we think we haven't tested this yet. <laughs> That's what I was just going to say, but I have a feeling you want to test it. <laughs> yes, we're going to test it. Okay. 
All right. And then you can, when you do this, you can shoot for um, the, a better land ratio, closer to about 40% land in your deck. And you can also um, make sure that you have an even spread of the five colors. Right. So make sure that, you know, your, your spells, you have the same number of red spells and black spells, etc., and the same number of mountains and the same number of swamps mm-hmm. so that everything's nice and balanced color-wise. Right. And then you can remove cards that don't work well in this particular format, which we have run into um, in our uh, Wizard's Tower that we did last night. We ran into a card that was completely worthless for what we were playing. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Um, and, and you can also possibly remove or limit cards that are um, a little more powerful in this format. Yeah. So, so we're going to give you guys some some examples in a little bit, but there are definitely some cards that just don't work in this format because, well, you'll see, they're just pointless. And then there are other cards that become very powerful in this format. So you might want to think about that, um, either taking those cards out or just thinking about how many of them you want in there. Mm-hmm kind of instant win cards <laughs> <laughs> definitely and you can design different uh, synergies in the deck and themes if you want to tribes etc for instance slivers in uh, m14 you can put a lot of sliver cards in there yeah or if you're doing theros you could uh, do devotion and or heroic yeah totally and um you know, you couldn't design a lot of different types of towers um, depending on what boosters you're using for your cards. So you could do like we did. We made an all corset tower. Um, you could make an all Theros tower. You could make a, a tower based on a certain block of cards um, or any combination of sets that you want. You could even do monocolored towers or dual color towers or really the sky's the limit um, to how you could design towers. Yeah. A monocolor tower is interesting. Yeah. That would be weird. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, If you are designing a tower, you might want to think about adding some multicolored lands and various types of mana fixing uh, to help out with uh, the five color aspect and, and help people get, get land out. Um, and you may want to think about uh, mana curves in each color and overall, or you may not. Um, you know, part of this format is the randomness and is the fact that, well, there might not be a perfect yeah. mana curve totally. or there might not be a perfect balance of colors um, or there might not be enough mana fixing and it makes the game slower or whatever. Um so definitely, I would recommend playing some Wizard's Tower before you start screwing around with it and decide for you and your friends, you know, what you like about the format, what you don't like, and then tailor it to, to fit what works for you guys. Yeah, definitely. And if you come up with kind of a sweet deck idea or something like that, let us know. I'd be really interested. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So so ultimately, you know, you have to decide what kind of an experience you want from this. Yeah. And what aspects of the tower you like and don't like. You can definitely take some steps to minimize the randomness and make the tower function more like a constructed deck. Mm-hmm. Um, you just have to decide if you want to do that, if you see that as a positive uh, result. Or you can embrace the randomness and the variety that uh, just having these random cards gives the format. Yeah. Which is part of what makes it feel so different from constructed. 
Definitely one of the pros for me. Yeah, I, I think I agree. Um, and then, like we were saying before, um, there are some cards that work very differently in this format oh, yeah. that, that you should be aware of. And, um, you know, if you're, if you're doing it like, like Wizards suggests where you're just opening cards blind and playing, then, then you'll find this out as you, as you play your tower. Mm-hmm. But if you're tweaking your tower at all, you might want to pay attention to some of these cards. Um, one thing that we've noticed is any kind of card that involves fishing something out of the library can be a huge pain in the ass. (laughs) For instance, like a a card that lets you search for a basic land or something, because now you got to, you know, find the card. That's not hard, but then you got to shuffle this 200 card library and everybody else has to wait while we shuffle this library because you wanted some card. So, so those kinds of things might be something you want to take out. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you're lacking room anyway, because you're taking up so much space. (laughs) And then some cards are, like I said before, just completely worthless in this format. For instance, we ran into a card called Tome Scour. Yeah, so I've got this card here just to give you guys an example of one card that just is pointless (laughs) in the Wizard's Tower. So this is from the 2014 Corset. It's a blue spell. It's a sorcery. Costs one blue mana. (coughs) Sorry, excuse me. Um, target player puts the top five cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard. <laughs> community library, community yeah. graveyard. <laughs> yeah, there, there is no point. I, I guess I just thought maybe if you have some cards in your hand where you want some, some cards in the graveyard. Yeah. Maybe then, but even then you have no control over what's going in the graveyard. And with right. a 200 plus card deck, Whatever it is you want to go in the graveyard, your chance of getting that is is really low. So this is the card I took out of our Wizard's Tower. Our Wizard's Tower is pretty much what it is, except I, I took this card out because um, I got it a couple times playing. And I'm like, there's no point to this card. It's just a waste of a card. Yeah, and I've gotten it before, too, which makes me wonder how many times it's in there. Just once. Really? Oh, my yeah. gosh. Okay. Maybe we need to <laughs> shuffle weird. better. <laughs> yeah. And then other cards are way more powerful in this format, or they end up working a little differently. For instance, cards that interact with your graveyard. Yeah, so I've got a couple examples of these here. Um, these, again, are both from the 2014 core set, because that's the, the Wizard's Tower we've been playing with. Yeah. Um, so the first one is called Rise of the Dark Realms, and this we talked about this card a little bit in our, our flavor text segment. Um this is a black sorcery. It costs two black mana and seven colorless mana. And here's what this card does. It says, put all creature cards from all graveyards onto the battlefield under your control. Mm. <laughs> wow. <laughs> now, I guess this isn't necessarily more powerful than it would be in any other multiplayer free-for-all, except that... Um, Wizard's Tower does seem to go longer because it takes longer to get the mana you need and, and be able to, to play spells. Um, so you will probably end up with more creatures and graveyards uh, than you would in a normal free-for-all. So oh, that yeah. makes this card a, a bit more powerful. Um, this is not a card I want to take out, but it's just something to be aware of. It's definitely a lot of fun when it when it resolves. Oh, for sure. And then another one you mentioned the other night was Shadowborn Demon. Yeah, so uh, this, like the last card, is also a Mythic Rare card from the M14 set. It's a black creature, a demon. 
um, five six flying demon. And this card says, when Shadowborn Demon enters the battlefield, destroy target non-demon creature. Okay, well, that's pretty normal in Wizard's Tower. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this next part that gets a little crazy. Okay. Um, <laughs> at the beginning of your upkeep, if there are fewer than six creature cards in your graveyard, sacrifice a creature. Oh, wow. So you're getting this 5-6 uh, Flying Demon that destroys a creature when it comes out for two black and three colorless mana so you're getting it for five mana which is like really good yeah and so kind of like the design of this card is there's this bit of a downside where well if you don't have six people in your graveyard you're gonna have to sacrifice something to this thing every turn until you have six in your graveyard yeah however in wizard's tower everybody shares one graveyard so your chances are much improved of there being six or more creatures in that graveyard when you bring this guy out even Mm -hmm. if you bring him out pretty early which again, with with needing two black mana and three colorless, it's in Wizard's Tower. It's going to be probably pretty late in the game before you bring this guy out anyway. So chances are good when you bring him out, there's going to be six creatures in the graveyard. Oh yeah. So there's really no downside to this card. Yeah. In Wizard's Tower. Yeah, that becomes an awesome card. Again, I'm not saying take it out. We're we're not taking it out of ours. I mean, no. This guy's awesome, but but Just he definitely to keep in mind, right? Yeah, he's uh he's a bit more badass in the Wizard's Tower. <laughs> Definitely. You might want to limit these kind of cards, get rid of them completely, or embrace them. Depends on what type of tower you're building and um, the experience that you're going for. Yeah, totally. So, um, like, like we said, we're going to do some experimenting with the Wizard's Tower. Excuse me, and get back to you. So I I made a few small adjustments to it, and we haven't played with it yet, but we'll see how it works. So I wasn't a big fan of the 42% land, especially you know with our playtesting, as much land as we're getting. Uh, so I changed a little bit. I went with uh, 90 land and 135 spells, and that comes out to exactly 40% land. So we're going to try that and see how it works. And we'll let you guys know. Um, Some other ideas we had that we may try is to try evening the ratios of colors and lands. So with the numbers we have now, we would have 18 of each land and 27 spells of each color. And I haven't counted to to see where, where we're at right now, but it's almost statistically impossible that that it's those numbers. I'm sure oh. that, that, you know, there's some colors that there are less and some colors that are more. Okay. Like just from, from shuffling the deck and play, it seems like we have a lot of black. Oh, okay. And not a lot of blue. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So, so we may try that and, and see how it affects play. And I mean, maybe it won't even make a difference. Who knows? Or, or maybe <laughs> yeah. we'll like it better before we screwed with it. Right. So I'll have to try it and let you guys know. It's hard not to notice the beautiful art on the many, many magic cards, especially now in the days of Theros, which is some of the best art I think I've seen ever in magic. Really? Um, Yeah, I I really like it. Um, So, Nikki, uh, you were going to, I think, talk to us about one of uh, the many artists who work on magic. 
Yes. And today's artist is Peter Moorbacher. And I've been a fan of his for a while. Um, it's pretty exciting for me to be able to talk about him on the podcast. He is uh, all over social media, so you can look him up. And he, on Twitter, if you believe Twitter, he's an art-generating insect. <laughs> That's what his profile says. He um, is located in Atlanta, Georgia. And his work is created primarily in Photoshop. And it's it all looks like paintings. It's digital artwork, digital paintings. And he did the art for Farika's Mender, which we talked about earlier in the flavor segment. Yes, we did. Yeah, and he did one piece that everybody will know, which is Erebos, God of the Dead. And I think that painting's awesome. Yeah, yeah. All the gods are really cool. Definitely. He's a wonderful artist. Erebos is very impressive. <laughs> yeah. And he's just... He's great at creating an entire story in one image. And it's really apparent to me when I look at his work that he's emotionally invested in each of his creations. And oftentimes his work is littered with symbolism. You'll see a lot of crosses and I don't know, there's just different um, things that artists call upon to evoke certain emotions in people. And he's definitely done his homework. And he loves creating these dramatically lit moments in time. His subjects are often these creatures that look like they're from a nightmare. He's great at doing that, at kind of embracing um, what we might see as frightening or kind of intimidating. And um, he puts that in his pieces and it just it blows me away. Uh, oftentimes his pieces feature one to two characters and they almost feel like portraits to me of these characters or creatures. For instance, Erebos, as you know, it's just him, the god, kind of floating in the air um, or almost coming out of the ground. And he has that long whip. And so he does a lot of, Peter does a lot of concept art as well. And it feels like he just designs characters well. Um, he's done quite a bit of work for magic. And I discovered that he will sign your magic cards. So if you have cool. Erebos, yeah, and you're a big fan of his work, you can check out his website to find the details. And he will allow you to send him the card. And um, he'll sign it for you. So that's very neat. That's awesome. Yeah, and if you want to do that, his website is vandalhigh.com. That's V-A-N-D-A-L-H-I-G-H.com. And you can find his gallery of illustration on there and his concept art. He also does mentorships for other artists. And he kind of focuses on helping you get into your career and get your name out there and get known. So it's pretty admirable. And then I've also watched uh, some of his YouTube videos. He has a channel on there and he will actually teach you about Photoshop and little trips, tricks and tips. So that's nice. Yeah. And uh, are you, are you going to talk about the Kickstarter? Or? I think we should. Why not? I mean, it, it might be over by the time our listeners hear this, but yeah, it's still it will worth definitely saying. be over, unfortunately. <laughs> And you watched the video about this, right? On Kickstarter? Yeah, yeah. But I, I think it's worth talking about because it sounds to me like this is probably something he'll be doing on a fairly regular basis. So if you like his art, definitely um, follow him on Twitter and keep up with him in case he does another one of these Kickstarters because you can get uh, 
some really nice prints and uh, game pads and stuff from him. Yeah, Matt's. Yeah, he's just, he's wonderful. But anyway, he loves the magic community, and he did this Kickstarter, and a lot of what he was giving away as um, prizes, I guess, were magic related. They were mats, and there were prints, and there were um, there's something else. But anyway, I think that it's just it's a great thing to support to get out there and help out the starving artists. <laughs> Yeah, so we're actually getting a uh, signed print of Erebos from him. And what's the other what's the other one we're getting? Do you remember? Swan Song? Swan Song? Yeah. Yeah, so really cool, really cool. And and yeah, he has some some awesome playmats on there, but uh unfortunately by the time we get this edited and up on the website, the Kickstarter will be over, but I would bet money that he will be doing more of them in the future. So definitely um, keep an eye on him and uh, keep an eye on Kickstarter because you can get some great art and some really cool uh, magic products. A wizard is never late, Frodo Baggins. Nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to. All right, Nikki, we have made it to the wrap-up of our first episode um, why don't you tell our listeners how they can get a hold of us and participate in the podcast? Sure thing. You can check out our website for the RSS feed, the show notes, and helpful links, starwalkerstudios.com slash planeswalkers of Nick's. And please email us any comments, questions, or any requests for topics you'd like us to cover on the show. You can email us at lexstarwalker at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Twitter for updates and find out when we're recording next. You, you can. Oh, I'm sorry, Lex. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You you can give yours first. <laughs> I'll wait. I apologize. Old Chub is eight percent, and I've already finished it. So <laughs> I'm sorry, Lex. Give them your Twitter handle. <laughs> All right, at NikkiStarwalker.com. No, just at NikkiStarwalker. There's oh. no dot com on Twitter. You're <laughs> cut off. And mine's at Lex Starwalker. I told you. Um, Please support the podcast and help keep us ad-free. You can do this by going to our website at starwalkerstudios.com and clicking on one of the Amazon product images and then just go on Amazon and do your normal shopping. It's not going to cost you any more, but it will help uh, pay our bills and keep the lights on and Um, unfortunately it costs a lot of money to do a podcast and we really, really want to keep our podcast free of advertising Mm -hmm. because it annoys you. It annoys us and we think there's a better way. So help us out. Go buy stuff on Amazon. Good deals for all. And, uh, definitely. And I thank you for listening to the first episode of Planeswalker of Planeswalkers of Nick's. Old Chubb is killing me here. I'm Nikki Starwalker. And I'm Lex Starwalker. And whether you're walking on Nick's or some other plane, may your magic always be colorful. This has been a Starwalker Studios production, your source for quality science fiction and fantasy podcasts. This episode's music provided by Stanko, Cloudwalker, Ish, Renfield, and Transboy. Please see the show notes for more details at starwalkerstudios.com. I'm awesome!